Hey, Mountain. How's everybody doing? Glad you're here. Uh, today uh, is an exciting day, as you might have already heard. Uh, first day to be meeting at the Arena Club for our Bel Air campus. So that's pretty cool. Next week is our grand opening, so if you live up that way, you should definitely head up there, get the free t-shirt, and enjoy time with them next week. That's going to be a big deal. Um, and how fitting that on a weekend when we're kind of celebrating the Arena Club uh, and starting a series um, called Everybody Matters, um, which reminds me, there was a lady who went to the doctor. She, um, she was like, Doc, my back is killing me. It really, really hurts. He took one look at her and he says, well, you're old. It's old age. She was highly offended. She says, no, doctor, you don't understand. It's like a new pain. I can't understand. I really need your help. What's wrong with my back? And he looked look at her. He says, listen, lady, you're old. You're just, it's old age. She says, I never, I want a second opinion. She said, he said, you want a second opinion? Okay, you're ugly too. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? Okay, now you can tell that. Don't act like you're not going to tell that joke somewhere. So, <laughs> hey, I feel like that old lady sometimes, not just because I'm ugly, but... Because I feel like my body hurts in ways it didn't used to. Uh, anyone can relate to me? Like you just got achy. It's like, why is that hurting now? Why is this, you know, I'm getting older. And then I look at you young punk kids, uh, young adults, who, and you eat, whatever, you eat a whole pizza, you eat whatever, whatever you want, you do whatever you, you sit and you watch Netflix, and then you still look the same. And I got one message for you, just you wait. Because your metabolism changes, and then you get what I have. I have furniture disease, you heard that? Furniture, you know, you know, like my chest keeps sagging into my drawers. It's basically, yeah, you'll understand when your time comes. Our metabolism definitely changes. So, so I had a tragic and important historic event happen Tuesday of this week. I was getting dressed, as I normally do every morning, and getting in front of the mirror and putting my stuff on, and I try to put my belt on, and all of a sudden, you know, you just kind of slide it in, and that big, wide, familiar hole, the little thing goes through. It's like, oh, it didn't go. It was like, wasn't there. It was like, huh, that's weird. And I looked, and it was a different belt. It's the same belt. Some of you had this day, haven't you? And then I wondered, well, maybe without realizing it, I, w I had tucked a parka into my pants. And there was just a little extra. No, I hadn't tucked a parka into my pants. And it was one of those tweener days. You know what I'm talking about? It was a tweener day. Or like you could go either way. Like you have to make a decision. I, one thing, I, I could just kind of suck it in, <gasps> suck it up and pull harder and just keep it on that same old hole, let the muffin top spill and just hope for the best, right? Or I could just face reality and ease it out and be a better steward of my belt is how I looked at it. I'm using the whole belt, all of the holes. And uh, so that's what I did. And then I untucked my shirt and went on with my merry day. I tell you that because you don't know what's going on underneath my shirt. I don't know what's going on underneath your shirt, but everyone's got something going on underneath her shirt. And that's, that's what I'm trying to get at is, you know what, I got, I, there's some things I struggle with that you wouldn't think. Some of you look at me, you're like, well, you don't look like you struggle with your weight. I hate you. You know, it's like, well, no, no, you don't understand. Um, and I don't under, I, you don't need to understand. I don't necessarily need to know everything. But here's the deal. We all have something where this issue interfaces, it's important to us, this issue of our life and our health and our body. And each of us is invited to go on a journey, not a guilt trip, but a journey together toward better health. And I want to invite you to consider surrendering your entire life to God, including your body. It's a big deal. That's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. Every body matters. My prayer for you is the same as 3 John chapter 2, which says this. 
Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health. That all may go well with you your whole life, even as your soul is getting along well. We talk a lot about souls around here, and I hope it's going well with your soul. But I hope that you enjoy good health as well, and we want to talk about that. Now, as we get started on this, we're going to talk about physical parts and bodies and so forth. We have to admit, there's a lot of things that are beyond our control. There's things about our bodies that are just the way it is, and they can't really be changed. You inherit some things. My mom asked me one time, did you just pick your nose? And I was like, no, mom, I was born with it. (laughs) There are things that you're born with that you can't pick, and um, you just have to deal with it. Um, and certain body types are that way. There are certain sort of thin, slender body types that just stay that way all the time. There's mesomorphic, rounder, curvier shape. And we're, we're, we're like this. There's, all, there's different things with our heart and uh, our bodies and so forth. And this is why it's helpful to remember in Scripture, like Psalm 139, that it, where it says, God knits us together in our mother's wombs and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, precious in His sight, all of us, just as we are today. And that means we can embrace the bodies that we have and know that we are loved as creatures who are created in God's image. And we don't need to try to get healthy or try to be fit in order to have other people approve of us because that's where we're going to find our worth. As if we're somehow going to make God happier if we sort of work harder on our bodies and our physique and all of this kind of stuff. No, there are some things that don't change about us and we can embrace all of that and Learn to accept that in ourselves and in some others. That's one reason I think a lot of us love mountain is because everyone's welcome and there's a grace, a sense of compassion and just a place of healing and love and welcome. It's a place of grace. But it's also a place of truth. And so we want to tell the truth to ourselves about ourselves, about our bodies, and about what God's Word says about health and how important it is because I think there's more connections between our health and our spiritual health than a lot of us have recognized. We want to tell the truth and be, as you might say, gut-level honest, if you will, about the fact that there are a whole lot of things that all of us can do that are well within our control, that have a lot to do with the energy and the life that we have and the fulfillment of the calling God has given you with your one life and your one body. So, just to make sure I'm not leaving anyone out here, um, does anyone not have a body? Go ahead and raise your hand. So I see. Go ahead and stand up if you don't have a body. Or, um, you know, just shout out. Of course, you, you couldn't shout out or raise your hand or stand up if you didn't have a body. That's kind of my point. Because everything we do, we do in our bodies, right? So, you know what every one of us longs for in life? Whether we even know this or not, What we all long for is to be close to God, intimate to God, to serve God, know God, love God. That's what our hearts and souls long for. But guess guess what? Your soul is housed in a body. And right now, your body is either helping or hindering your soul's pursuit of God. So which is it? Helping or hindering? And so this is the kind of invitation. An invitation not to a guilt trip, but a journey to begin thinking about our bodies. Now, we're going to talk about what the Scriptures say because there's a lot more there than I think we realize. One of the things that we have to say at the beginning is that Christianity is a decidedly physical religion, more so than any other world religion. 
um, a lot of times we have kind of mistakenly come up with the notion that real spirituality is sort of spiritual and soul stuff, but physical earthly stuff like bodies and material things aren't really that spiritual. And in fact, this is a pretty commonly held idea even today, but way back even in the time of Jesus. In fact, some were so convinced that material things and earthly things were evil that they concluded that Jesus couldn't have had a real earthly body. I mean, because earthly stuff, that didn't sound, it sounded subpar and kind of dirty. And so bodies and material things were thought of as dirty. So they said Jesus, you know, he wasn't fully God and fully human. He just appeared to be human because you know, he came to deliver us from all that being trapped in earthly contaminated matter and material things. In fact, this idea got so much ground, it was called docetism, that early Christians just rose up and said, no, that's all wrong. They reminded us of scriptures like this. John chapter 114, it says, Jesus, the eternal preexistent word, what? He became what? Flesh. He became flesh for real. John 4, 1 John 4, 2 says, Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. If you deny that he came in the flesh, it goes on to say you're not from God. So Jesus shared our physicality and our humanity. He was born, uh, you know, he spent time in a real womb. He, he grew up the way that we do. He got hungry, he got tired, he got frustrated, he got fatigued. Um, he had emotions, he wept, he laughed, he got angry. He was tempted as we are, he bled when he was cut, and he really suffered and died on the cross, which is why he was able to save us. Hebrews 2 reminds us he shared our humanity, that's why when he died and rose again, he overcame the one thing that we would otherwise fear the most, and that is our own death. That's what that scripture is saying. So scripture goes on to say here in Hebrews that we're not angels. You say, I already knew that. I don't mean, I mean actually as beings. Angels are spiritual, soul-like beings, but they have no physical body. We're not angels. We're not animals. Animals are physical creatures that have no spirit or soul. We're somewhere in between. Physical beings with soul, souls with bodies. And you look at what Scripture says. 1 Corinthians 7, 34 says, It calls us to be holy in both body and spirit. Wow, did you think about that? Holiness, pleasing God, includes our bodies. Paul says in Romans 6, don't let sin reign in your body. Where else would sin reign? Not just in our minds, in our bodies. Philippians 1.20, Paul says, his deep prayer says, I want Christ to be exalted in my body. I wonder how often that's a prayer of our own. So God made bodies, he came to us in a body, and He puts you in a body, and He calls us to serve Him with our bodies. So it's interesting. I got to thinking about preaching. I've, I, I've preached a long time. I've heard a lot of sermons. We've talked a lot about souls and our will and our minds and our hearts and even our relationships and all that stuff, but I don't remember preaching much or hearing much about bodies from a spiritual perspective. Our culture is obsessed with it, and the church is silent about it. But guess what? The Bible's not. The Bible's not at all. It has a lot to say. One of the things the Bible says about our human humanity is that it's a holistic picture of human life, not just a soul or just a body. Society kind of talks about us just as bodies. Some Christians like to think of us just as souls. The Bible says, no, it's a, it's a holistic look at things. Jesus was asked, what's really important? He said, love God. How? With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's holistic. 
One time when Jesus was young, they were describing his upbringing, and the Bible says in Luke 2.52, Jesus grew, that word means to progress, to develop, to get better. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with people. And you and I are invited to grow and develop and progress and get better in each of those ways, are you? In wisdom, in your mind, your thought life, in your focus, intellectually, in stature, in your body, your physical health, are you progressing? In favor with God, spiritually speaking, and in your relationships, these are all, this is the holistic sense that the Bible brings to this. And the second thing the Bible wants to help us see is how connected all the areas are. You touch one part of the spider web and the whole thing jiggles. And we know this in our life, don't we? That if we want to feel really good about ourselves emotionally, it's hard to do if you feel really bad about yourself spiritually or physically. They're all connected, aren't they? You want to grow spiritually, you've got to make sure you're paying attention to the physical. Romans 12 says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, what God has done for us, here's what I urge you to do, to offer your what? Bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You want to you worship God? You want to please God? Offer Him your body, your life as a whole. So the, the body you have now is the only body you'll ever have, and it's the one that you will do, you'll respond to everything that God will give you to do with your life. Well, you've got one life and one body. How you use it, what kind of energy you bring to the table is all captured in that body. So every body matters. Society says our worth is based on how our bodies look and how well they serve us, how much energy we have to go do the things we want to do. But God's Word says, no, no, no. No, no, no. You use your body to ascribe worth to God. That's what worship is. You ascribe worth to God. You say, God, I want to do what you're calling me to do. I want to serve others with the energy you've given me. That's our life calling. So it's a very different picture, isn't it? But before we can get all spiritual and talk about doing anything for God with our calling, we have to remember the, the motivation, the reason we're talking about it from God's word is it's different. When you bring God into the picture, when we talk about health, it, it lands you in a very different place. Because it changes the why. It changes the motivation. And motivation is usually where we struggle when we get to this issue of dealing with our bodies, don't we? Motivation is a big deal. Why are we talking about this? Well, because what you do with your body sets the tone for every other thing. Physical health influences our mental health, our spiritual health, our relational health, emotional health, probably even our financial health, doesn't it? So, Fulfilling our calling depends on getting this thing right first. First things first. I love John Wooden. He's a, a great uh, coach, a Christian man, coach for years at UCLA. Most, one of the most winningest coaches in, in basketball history. There he is with all, some of his trophies. He used to have all these high-powered, best basketball players in the country, these recruits that would come in and play on his team. And the first day of practice, you know what he did? He'd sit them down in the locker room. He'd say, boys, I'm going to teach you how to put on your socks and tie your shoes. And they'd be all insulted by that, you know, because don't they know who we are? We're all stars. We're the best in the country. But he'd take time and tell them how to put their shoes on and put their socks on and get all the wrinkles out and, put, and, and get their tongues straight and their little Converse All Stars and tie them up properly because he'd seen great basketball players sitting on the bench because they had blisters on the feet because they didn't put their socks on right, didn't put their shoes on right. 
You knew that first things first. And it's the same way. If you want to be an all-star Christian, you want to serve the Lord, you want to be, have a really full, zealous, energy-filled life, you want, to, you want to have joy with your family, you want to serve others, you want to see needs and seize them when they come. You can't do it if you don't have any energy. You can't do it if you fill your life constantly with just garbage food or, or underslept. Try when you're underslept to be patient with your kids. Okay? You try having the fruit of the Spirit come through you. It's like when I'm not well-rested, the fruit, the, fruit, the fruit of the Spirit just comes in and I just want to throw it at somebody. So, you, so if we want to do all these things for God, you've got to figure out how to put your shoes and socks on first. Otherwise, we're going to end up on the bench, spiritually speaking. Every body matters. So you see how the why, the motivation is different. Take another example here from 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, here's Paul talking to young protege Timothy. He says, in a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, they're beautiful fancy stuff, but also of wood and clay, everyday dumb, you know, sort of dumpy, nothing special stuff. And some are for special purposes and some for just common uh, use. Those who cleanse themselves from the common stuff, listen to this, will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master. That's God. And prepared to do any good work. Are you useful to the master? Are you prepared for any good work? Are you an instrument for a special purpose? As Gary Thomas points out in his book, the problem with a lot of us today is we've been trained by our culture to think of the reason we should get fit or take care of our bodies is so we can be an ornament. An ornament that everybody can see and display for others. The Bible says, no, the reason you do it is because you're an instrument, a vessel to be used by God with as much energy as you have, with whatever limitations and weaknesses you have at this stage and age of your life, with whatever body you have and the things that you can't control, do everything you can with what you can control so that we can be not ornaments but instruments for God. So we're going to talk about several items over the next few weeks, a holistic way, eat, sleep, Think, move, and connect. And the Bible has a surprising amount to say about each one of those. So let's start with eat today and just say a little bit about it because there's more spiritual connections here than I used to want to admit. First, let's admit that just the whole subject is filled with daily decisions and challenges like this this picture here kind of captures the daily struggle and challenge of food you see there it is that's a, that's a life in a nutshell right there where am i going to go baskin robbins and weight watchers right next to each other and it's a sensitive topic as this research study has apparently revealed how sensitive it is go ahead and show the next one here a recent study has found that women who carry a little extra weight actually live longer than the men who comment on it so you see it's a sensitive area. Listen, you can go somewhere else and, and get all kind of information on food and healthy eating and cholesterol and calories and all that stuff. I don't need to say any of that. I want to comment briefly on some of the spiritual aspect of this about eating. I didn't have to used to worry about this and I, t I thought of myself I was disciplined or something. I really wasn't. I just had high metabolism. And as I got older, I've been disheartened at how little control I seem to have sometimes. And it's starting to become a spiritual issue more and more for me, and maybe for you too. Um, let me point out a couple things. And one way to do it is to look at 1 Corinthians 6. 
verses 19 and 20. Listen to these verses about our bodies. Paul has just said that nothing should be our master. He says, you can't be legalistic about things. Don't, you, just because you you know, you're free to do whatever you want to do. We're not going to make any rules. There's no Christian rules about what you should or shouldn't eat. But he says, don't be mastered by anything. Because you're supposed to be a, have one master. That's God. And then he goes on to say in verse 19, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Mm. As you think about eating, what, when, how much, and why, there's so much here, isn't there? It reminds us of several things, for example, that are countercultural. One, it's, it talks about ownership. We all think, well, I, my body's my own. I can do with it what I want. I can be with who I want. I can do whatever I want, you know, and the Bible reminds us, no, you're not your own. That body you're using is not yours. Second, it talks about value. Jesus bought you. He paid a great price when he died on the cross for that body. So there's tremendous value in it. And it should be cared for accordingly. You ever watch American Pickers or Pawn Stars? These people that have this old piece of junk and they think it's worth all this money. How much is something worth? How do you find out? Well, whatever someone's willing to pay for it. That's how you know. You can say my house is worth $400,000. Well, if, if, no one's gonna, if, if the highest you can get is $175,000, guess what it's worth? $175,000. And when you want to know how much you're worth, you look at Jesus hanging on the cross who says, I love you this much. That's a great price, the Bible says. And so we have to ask ourselves, am I taking care of myself in a way that reflects that I'm worth dying for? I have my friend J.W., he knows all about horses. He takes care of some million-dollar horses sometimes. If you had a million-dollar horse, would you feed it chips and soda and never get it out of the barn? No, you would not. And yet think how much greater price has been paid for us, according to Scripture. Jesus invested his whole life. And so we have to consider that as we care for the one bodies that he died for. It also talks about holiness. It reminds us that when we accept Jesus Christ, God gives us himself, his Holy Spirit, to reside in us. Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's amazing. So is it a place that is prepared for God to reside? Are you treating your body in that way? If you saw someone vandalizing and abusing a house of worship with spray paint or something like that, you'd call the police. You'd be all upset. But yet our bodies, the Bible says, are just like that. They're temples of God. And so if we trash them, we've got to remember, are we doing all we can to create our bodies as a special holy place for God to reside? And it talks about not accountability. It says that God expects me to take care of my body. I'm just a caretaker of his body that he has purchased and handed back to me. First Thessalonians 5 says, I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body would be blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's accountability for what you do with your body. Imagine yourself standing before God answering the question, what did you do with what I gave you? Because that's exactly what we'll all do. And part of what he gave us is our body. So wow, you see, every body really does matter. As we look forward to the day when according to our Christian faith, if you give your life to Christ, you will be resurrected just as he was. That's a physical bodily resurrection. You won't float around in the sky like a little ghost. You'll have a real new 2.0 version of you. 
And it will be minus all the disease and the bags and the sags and the warts and the moles and the wrinkles. It will be perfect, disease-free, cancer-free. And we'll be praising God with all the energy. And what we're supposed to do now is do the best we can to approximate that life here and now with the bodies that he has given us within the limits that we have. So if I can just get real personal and honest about some of this eating thing. Let me just say, one of the things that I hate is that the word discipline and disciple are almost the same word. Because some of us, there's times I just don't want it to be hard. And a lot of us, we don't want life to be hard. And that's one reason for some of us, discipleship and Christianity isn't very exciting. Because we've made it this thing where we just come together and get coddled and told how wonderful and beautiful we are. But the Bible is always saying, you're not done yet. You know you need to change. There's a word for that. It's called repentance. You need to change. You need to keep growing. You need to get off the couch spiritually and in every other way. And sometimes there's a physical challenge to that as well. And if we allow laziness to take root in our life, I'm telling you, it affects us spiritually. If you allow physical laziness to take root in your life, it's going to grow up with vines that will strangle you spiritually. We've seen this. That's why Paul says in the Bible, he says, man, it's like a physical workout. He likens his spiritual life to a physical workout. He's, and he says, forgetting what's behind, you know, yesterday doesn't count. I got I to gotta hit it hard today. I'm hitting the gym. I'm straining like a runner to get to the finish line. He says, I'll even pummel my body like a boxer if that's what it took to grow spiritually. Does that describe your discipleship? Are you willing to pay a price physically if that's what it would take to grow spiritually? Because guess what? You can't grow spiritually if you're not willing to pay some physical price. Because we're that connected. We're that connected. It may be as simple as, I want to just sleep right now. And instead, I'm going to get up and I'm going to serve someone or I'm going to pray. Or I'm going to allow a little extra time to read my scripture. It may be that simple. There's a huge connection to the spiritual life and our physical. And this eating is a big part of it. I'm in a small group right now and we just went through a group fast together. We, we fasted 24 hours, nothing but liquids, and we got together, and for many people in the group, it was the first time they'd ever done that. And it was very difficult for some of them, but they were amazed at how powerful a spiritual experience it was that they had simply said no to some physical food for a period and how it drew them closer to God spiritually, even though it was just a very simple physical exercise. Yet they're really connected. It's powerful. Here's why this is so important and where it's come into my life is that my stomach and yours, your stomach is like a, a, a spoiled brat whiny child. That's what your stomach is like. Everyone's stomach is the same way. Yelling and complaining, and we are the parents who sometimes are just those parents that are unable to say no. You see in these families, little darling, kind of little, little kid just starts screaming and crying, and mommy and daddy don't have the guts or the wisdom to say no. And I pity that child, and I pity that family, and I pity everyone in aisle four who has to hear it. Because it's not pretty and it's not going anywhere good. If you indulge that child, that child grows up to be a monster and takes over the whole house. And that's the worst thing for the child and for everyone else. Appetites are the same way. And we have many appetites. We have many feelings, appetites, drives, and desires in life. And our culture says, well, go with it. Obey your thirst, you know, obey your hunger, whatever. But listen, your feelings, your senses, your desires, your appetites, they are not to be trusted. And they are to be mastered or they will master you. It can't be wrong if it feels so right. Remember that song? That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. But we live by it way too often. This don't it feel so right. It can't be wrong. 
This adulterous relationship feels so right, it can't be wrong. This lust right now feels so right, it can't be wrong. This fist through the drywall feels so good right now, it can't be wrong for me to... No, those are just the whiny baby desires of your anger and your lust and your hunger and your stomach speaking to you. And somewhere, somewhere along the line, we have to be like a parent who instead of failing to say no, rises up and learns to curb our appetites and become the master of them. Once in a while, you have to just say to your stomach, you're not the boss of me. Like you would a, a spoiled child. Just say very gently and calmly, I know you're going to throw a tantrum right now and that's okay. A wise parent lets a kid go scream and shout once in a while. It's miserable for both of you in the short term, but guess what? In the long term, the kid figures out, okay, I actually feel better about this because I know there's some boundaries and parameters. And if you just let your stomach just rule you, it ends up, you become a slave to it and to the rest of your appetite. Here's where it gets interesting in your spiritual life. This affects every other area of your spiritual life as well. When you begin to control your physical appetite, now it begins to pay off dividends because the same thing, if you, if you can learn to say no to a donut, guess what? You will see unleashed in your life a spiritual power from Jesus Christ in your life that will help you the next time you need to say no to lust because it's the same muscle. It's the same muscle that helps us say no to lying or bragging or our pride or our anger. It's the same ventilation of the full desires of our flesh that once we learn to curb them in one area, something as simple as a donut is what we will learn is empowering us to keep growing in Christ in other ways that are huge. It's all connected. And sometimes it starts as simple as just learning to not think we have to have three feasts a day and to say who's boss. What we eat, when we eat, how we eat, it is all to be surrendered to God. To see food as fuel so we will be better instruments for God instead of ornaments. Food is tough because... For some of us, we've got to, when we say surrender to God, some of us, we, we don't know how to celebrate without high, highly caloric food. It's not good for us. Or we've learned to cope with food. Or food has become a way to deal with negative emotion, like loneliness or rejection or some kind of pain in our life. And it's become this comfort, but it's also become now a master. And it spirals in and it can become an addiction and very difficult for us. So we're going to talk about this and other areas in the coming weeks in a way that will get us beyond the guilt trip and the willpower and just say, what if I invited God and some other Christian believer friends into this to say, what kind of journey could I go on toward better health? I hope you're in for that. Several have shared their stories with me already, and I would invite you to do the same. There's a place you can just email it at mystory at mountaincc.org. And if you wanted to and give me permission, I, we will post several of these on our website. If it's an area where you've, you've struggled or maybe had victory or had a connection to your spiritual life as it relates to something about your physical life, tell us your story. We'd love to hear it. Send it in. I want you to hear one of those stories right now from a good friend. He's on our staff, Alan Stengel. Go ahead and watch the screen. So all my life, I've... Uh been overweight. Even as active as I was growing up with sports and baseball, football, and wrestling, I've always been one of the heavier kids. And from my post-high school years, I've tried many times to lose weight, um, and I failed many times. About five weeks ago, something clicked, and uh, I learned that this sermon series, Everybody Matters, was coming up, 
and around that same time uh, my mom was diagnosed with some pretty serious health issues and a friend of mine uh, from college had started losing some weight and uh, it forced me to take a look at my life and the, my lifestyle and I saw a direct connection between our lifestyle and our health and I knew that something needed to change. This is so important to me because frankly I just I want to live. Um, I want to be able to honor God with my body. Gary Thomas talks about in the book Everybody Matters that um, far too many Christians called to ministry or called to their mission field has fallen short because they neglected to take care of their bodies. He argues that sloth and gluttony are two very easy ways that Satan is slowing down the work of the church um, because frankly we just don't realize that it's an issue. And I couldn't agree more. Sloth and gluttony had a grip on my life. In fact, I went through a mourning process when I first started this. I, I mourned food. It's kind of humiliating to admit that, but I, food had that much of a grip on me that uh, I physically mourned it. It was like I lost something very important to me. Looking around, it saddens me to see so many people living the way that I lived for so many years, not realizing the spiritual battle behind their lifestyle, behind sloth and behind gluttony. As a church, we've been called to unleash love. But we can't unleash love unless we love ourselves first. And I don't mean that in any cliche way. I mean that in the most physical way possible. This is our body that God has given us. So we ought to treat it like it's God's body, not ours. I don't want to see anybody's love unleashed come to an end early because they fell victim to sloth and gluttony. So I'm inviting you to join me on this journey, to join Mountain on this journey, to unleash love and live like everybody matters. It's a war, but Jesus won, and therefore we can win. Let's do this together. All right. That's Alan. Alan is on our staff. He works in our tech arts. He's actually here at Mountain Road right now in a back room somewhere, and we actually have a camera hooked up. Alan, are you there? There he is. Swivel around. Everybody say hey to Alan. He can't see you, but he can hear you. Alan, thank you. Usually you're on the other side of the camera, and uh, thank you for coming out and getting in front of it to tell us a little bit of your story. Yeah, thanks for letting me in front of the camera. <laughs> Don't get used to it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so you've been on this journey a while. Has it been hard? And what kind of progress have you seen? Yeah, so it's definitely been hard um, and challenging, yet so rewarding. I've, um, so far, I've lost 40 pounds overall and 20 pounds being in the last five weeks. Awesome. I feel better spiritually, physically, mentally. I just have more energy. That's really cool. And you also made a deliberate decision that you wanted to kind of share this and uh, invite others into what was going on. You went very, put an Instagram page out and all that stuff. Why, why is that so important to you to go public with this? Yeah, so originally I didn't plan on going public with it. Uh, I tried several other times and uh, kind of failed. And then I realized how hard and how easy the old habits could come back. So I decided to go public as a way to be accountable and just kind of be transparent and hopefully other people would join in on the journey and maybe inspire some people along the way. 
Yeah, and I think he certainly has done that. Man, we appreciate you a lot, and uh, you hang in there. We love you, buddy. <laughs> he has no idea what just happened, but it's okay. He can't see me. Bye. Get back to Bye. work. Yeah, you get back to work. You get back you to get work. You get back to work. <laughs> you get back to work. There you go. Hey, uh, so we're so excited right now that we're going to have, we have a website uh, at mountaincc.org. We're going to have a bunch of free resources that things and practical ideas where every one of us can take a big step forward in all of these areas. But we've also come up with a way that all of us can go together on a journey. It's called Whole Life Challenge. Sarah Willie from our staff is going to come out and explain it to you. Listen up because I hope you'll be excited and motivated to jump in on this at the end of this. So give it up for Sarah Willie. Yeah, so this is going to be a really great program that we can all join in on for an eight, it's an eight-week holistic health challenge. And part of my story, the reason why I'm so excited about this is I used to be a collegiate athlete, and so weirdly enough, health was never something that was at the forefront of my mind that I had to think about. And I think part of that was because it was always built into my schedule for me, so it was never something I had to spend time thinking and preparing about. And over the last six years since the end of my career, I've had a really hard time getting back into the swing of things and some of the basics of what motivates me to be healthy and what do I even do now that nobody is setting a plan for me and I have to do it myself. And the whole life challenge was presented to me earlier this week and that was the first time in six years that I've been able to look at something and think, I think I can do that. And so this challenge, as I said, is a holistic health challenge. It's eight weeks long, uh, but the goal is so much bigger. And the goal is very simply put that we want to establish long-term, lifelong habits that give us a full and healthy life, and especially for us, that we can be on mission for God and unleashing, God, uh, unleashing love for all the things that God has called us to. And so we're going to be incorporating seven daily habits into our lives, and those are going to be eating, exercising, mobility, so that's like stretching in your range of motion, sleep, hydrating, lifestyle practices, and reflection. So I'm just going to walk us through what all those look like. Um, nutrition, there are a number of suggested eating plans that Whole Life Challenge provides for us to choose from, and they range from being pretty basic, which is where I'm going to be starting off at, or very rigorous. So if you want to be one of those overachiever people, go for it. Good luck for those eight weeks. Um, for <laughs> exercise is going to be the same way where it is relative to where you are at for what a great next step forward would look like for you. So you can go overachiever status on that. I'm probably going to be starting at basics of just going for a walk around my neighborhood and getting into a routine of doing that. Whatever it is and whatever it looks like for you to be active for 10 minutes a day. Stretching, stretch for 10 minutes a day, build that into your life. Uh, sleeping, deciding ahead of time what would be an appropriate amount of sleep for you to be healthy and trying that out for eight weeks and just seeing what a drastic difference just getting enough sleep is. Hydrating is a simple formula of your body weight divided by three, and that's how many ounces of water to drink every day. Lifestyle habits, uh, this is the one that I'm probably one of the most excited about, is they are just uh, different habits that we get to incorporate that help make us happier, but also make us feel more connected. So examples of these can look like decluttering your home. We'll get a challenge every Friday, so one of them could be declutter your home every day this week, or encouraging three people every single day of this week, or, or pra start practicing journaling. Uh, reflection is the last one, and this is basically the meditation practice. So for us Christ followers, that's going to be 
bringing God into this and inviting him into the process and inviting him to just help transform us from the inside out. So this is in, uh, our quiet time with God, our prayer time with him um, to reflect on this. A lot of health journeys are really focused on the physical, but this is an opportunity that we can jump in with everything that's involved in our health. So this is our minds, our hearts, our bodies, and our souls that are going to be transformed and made healthy. So now that we're all super excited about this and ready to jump in, I know that you guys are on the edge of your seat saying, how do I sign up? How do I get started on this? And the, so the cha- this is a game. And so as with all games, we all start at the same point. So we're going to have a starting line, and that starting line is going to be May 20th that this all starts. But the website, mountaincc.org, is going to have the ability uh, opened up tomorrow morning uh, to be able to start signing up. And it's perfect timing. As Ben was saying, we're in, the, we're in this Everybody Matters series. We're going to be a few weeks into it for when the May 20th start date is. And, and we're, ready, we're going to be ready to jump in, and we can start signing up tomorrow. And so signing up is very simple, easy steps. They're so easy that even this old guy over here, he can figure it out. And so if Ben can figure it out, then I think all of you guys can figure it out too. And the, the sign-up process is, is easy. You, you sign up. We're going to, we decided that we want to have some healthy, friendly competition among our campuses. So whatever campus that you consider home, whether that be Mountain Road, Edgewood, or Bel Air, you can join that team, and then it'll walk you through a, a series of steps for setting up your profile. And that is where you're going to be setting up what your nutrition levels are going to be, your exercise level, your sleep goals, so on and so forth and uh, everything that's right for you. And one of the most important parts of the setup process is going to be a self-assessment. How can we know where we've been if we don't mark where we've started? So we're going to start this at, at a baseline level with a self-assessment, and then at the end we're going to do that same test to see how much progress that we've made over those eight weeks. And the last part of it is that May 20th, we get to start playing, and we get to start having this competition with ourselves and it's set up with a point system. So if I eat, sleep, and drink my water and all the things that I'm supposed to do, you get points for that. And the most important part of this whole thing is that we're doing this together as a community. And we're on a journey together. So when we celebrate and have victories, we're, we're going to celebrate that loudly and cheer loudly together as a community. And when we have our bad days and our failures, which we will, we're going to encourage one another and be resilient and get back on the saddle and just keep plugging along on this. And we're going to just talk more about how this is going to look like in the weeks to come. But for now, what we need to know today is we're going to start with prayer. Some of us have started and failed at this health journey over and over and over again. And so we need to really invite God into this and be praying for him to just give us the conviction and to work from the inside out to have the action come out of us for this. Second part, sign up, invite your friends to be a part of this. This isn't just an exclusive thing for Mountain. This is something to invite everybody that you know to be a part of this transformative health journey. Uh, To know about some of the details, this is going to cost $21 when you sign up online. And um, it's a one-time thing, so you sign up once. And if money is the only thing that is holding you back, uh, we uh, are so invested in this. We believe in this so much and invested in you that the church has uh, purchased some scholarships to be able to help people out with that. So if that's you, send an email to everybodymatters at mountaincc.org, and we'll be able to talk with you about what that looks like. So is everybody ready to get healthy?
Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm so excited. I've been excited about Unleash Love, but this is exciting that this is going to take us to the next level of Unleash Love where we can really step up to the plate and do all the things that God has called us to do as a church. So I'm in, Luke's in, Nathan's in, my parents are in. The only question, we have two questions left. Are you in? And is Ben in? I'm in. I'm in. Thank you, Sarah. Give it up for Sarah. Thank you. All right. So, all right. Everybody can do this. Some of you are like, well, I don't know, the water part, I don't want to drink water, or you're like, I don't know, the food part, I don't want to do that, or I don't want to pay 21 bucks to save my life, I'm not going to do that, whatever. Uh, just get over yourself and come along with us, let's do this, this will be fun. Get online and do it, sign up tomorrow, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have fun with it, and we'll have some results to celebrate. I think it's appropriate, really appropriate for us to move very naturally now from, in this point in our service to, to a time of celebrating communion together, the Lord's Supper. Because what we do each week is we pass these emblems of bread and cup, and they represent Jesus' physical body, blood and flesh, that he offered for us so that we would have life beyond this physical life. It's beautiful and powerful. So if you're a believer in Jesus, as the emblems are passed, you're welcome to participate in this time of communion. Make it a time of reflection and prayer between you and God, even as we're doing it together with others. Let's pray together. God, we're so grateful to you for your love and mercy, and in light of your mercies, we want to offer to you our bodies as living sacrifices. We thank you that you didn't just shout from the heaven good wishes to us, but you sent Jesus who came in the flesh and who devoted his whole life, including his body, to us. Help us now, Lord, to give our lives and our bodies to you. Through Christ, amen.